You're listening to Modern Marketing, a podcast brought to you by Influicity. At Influicity, we build brand communities that drive revenue. Learn more at Influicity.com. On today's episode, Influicity CEO John Davids talks with Jaror Zaifman, Director of Growth Marketing at Brain Finance. Jaror, thank you so much for being here. Give us your first insight. A lot of people are looking for the next big shiny thing when it comes to social media. This started when Facebook came about, actually before Facebook, but when Facebook really brought the power of advertising to social platforms. And a lot of people are not realizing the potential that still exists with Google Ads and exists because of the updates that they're doing. So instead of focusing on something that works, people are looking for the next big thing. And this causes problems for some teams because they don't have the resources really to focus on social media, understand how it works, learn all the algorithms, Learn, okay, so for example, they have to focus on Facebook. How does Facebook advertising work? So how does Facebook organic works? How do I optimize? How do I get the maximum reach? Once that is no longer as much in demand or is as powerful, they go to the next thing. Then they have to, there's a new learning curve where they have to learn, okay, so how does the Instagram algorithm works? How do I get my, my content in front of people? How do I optimize? Then the next big thing, you know, which is now TikTok. And after TikTok, there's going to be another social platform. So there's a constant learning curve, which is draining resources from marketing departments, where really there's a huge platforms, there's a huge opportunity with Google Ads. And the reason why is people not realizing, not diving in and seeing all the updates and all the new things that are available in Google Ads. For example, people can target people just like on social media, they can target by interest. You can target people if you have an app and you want to target your competitors. Right. So let's say, I don't know, you have a weather app as an example, and you want to target people, you want to bring in people to your weather app, right? How do I do that? Well, Google Ads allows you to do that very easily by going in and saying, okay, I want to target people who use my competitor weather apps, right? So now Google allows you to target those people. How do they know that? Well, very simple. They own the Android platform. They know exactly who uses what app on what phone. So now let's say somebody's using your competitor ads all of a sudden and you tell Google, I want to target people who use that specific app. They'll start showing ads to them. And those people don't even realize what what's happening. Right. So you can acquire so, users that way. Yeah, yeah. So this this is really smart. There's a, there's so much buzz and shininess and sexiness around TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I mean, all these things. And your point is actually a really good one, which is that I think the number is like 84 billion visits to Google every single month. And then and by the way, that doesn't even include YouTube and the other platforms they own. Absolutely. They are so far and wide the biggest platform that exists in the world in terms of traffic. And people pay a lot of attention to all the other ones. But the downside of that is you have to relearn basically from zero how to use TikTok, how to use Instagram, how to use Twitter. And while there's value there, if you are a small team and you're taking your eye off the ball of, hey, let's just focus and get really good at Google, Google could run your entire business from a marketing standpoint oh, without absolutely. having to relearn all these things. Absolutely. Google, I believe they own 85 to 90% of all digital print. So if you're looking to do even display ads, they own, I think, 85 to 90% of the market. So you can reach anybody and everybody. Not only that, there's another thing that's really good with Google that people don't realize. I can actually target people who are visiting my competitor websites. Again, Google owns Chrome. So if 
if you are signed into your Chrome account, you visiting certain websites, Google knows it collects all that data. So now if you tell Google Ads, I want to target people visiting my competitor websites, guess what? You're going to start pulling your competitors into your website by showing them ads from Google. So there's a huge opportunity. And you mentioned YouTube. A lot of people don't realize YouTube is the second largest world search engine. And in terms of cost, you actually can buy media at a much lower price than on social. So really? it, yeah, YouTube offers a huge, a huge opportunity, not only for remarketing, but it also offers you to get in front of people for brand awareness. It's a huge, huge platform, YouTube on its own. We're doing amazingly well on YouTube. I'm buying media at a really low cost and conversions are absolutely spectacular. Yeah, there are so many people that I know who grew up in the internet business and grew up really on social. And their expertise is on growing their accounts on Instagram and getting more followers on Twitter. And they really are masters of social. But I've actually found that there's a whole other world of people that are masters of search, organic and paid search. And they have built massive companies purely on search. I know companies, for example, in, in the finance space where you guys are at, where all of their traffic, and we're talking about millions of visits a month, come from the fact that they're number one for, let's say, credit cards, or right. you know, which visa should I get? And they right. are like result number one or two, and that drives a ton of traffic to their app. And so there's so much you can do just by being a master of Google. And that's, that's a great point. Yeah, and too many people are looking for the next shiny goal or the next shiny ad. And it's not true. If you can master, we hired... About six, seven months ago, we hired somebody who specializes in organic, in SEO. This guy is a legend. I mean, he's helped us so much. And now, I don't know if I can say it, but I'll say it anyway. We're kicking ass. I mean, we're really doing well on the organic you side. You can say you're kicking ass. That's great. <laughs> we're, do, we're doing amazingly well on the organic side just because he implemented certain strategies. Where, again, and then we, get, we have the paid side. So, for example, just to show you how the, the power of Google, if you're doing the right thing, you can own paid, organic, and video, as well as Google My Business. So you can have theoretically four placement on the first page of Google right at the top, right? So, I mean, no social platform offers you that. And don't get me wrong, I'm not kicking social to the ground. I think it has huge, huge potential to reach customers. I mean, Facebook 1% lookalike list, amazing. Absolutely amazing. Really low acquisition cost because you're targeting really customers who look like your own, the 1% to 2% maximum, really good targeting. I just, my thing, the way I view it is, people are always looking for the next shiny thing and learn and trying to learn and trying to learn and trying to learn. Where now, if you master Google or any other platform, it doesn't have to be Google. I'm giving Google as an example. But if you master one platform and get really good at it, you can just, do everything your competition is not doing. Like we're doing certain things. I'm, I can't go into details, but we're doing certain things on paid with Google that our competitors can't even touch because they're just not aware of everything that we're, that's available to them, which gives us an uplift and gives us a, an edge over our competition. That's really cool. I know there's something really cool that you did during COVID. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. So we have a very influential CEO. He focuses on growth constantly. And we're pushed to grow. And not, I wouldn't say push the limits, but we're pushed to grow. And I've grown a lot since joining the company in 2018. I would say one of my successes is listening to our CEO and learning from him. He's very growth-oriented. And one of the things that we did during COVID, which our competitors, again, did not do, 
because everybody thought the world was coming to an end, we initially cut our budgets because obviously we didn't know what was happening, right? We initially cut our budgets, but then when everybody else was still cutting our budgets, we're still cutting their budgets, two, three weeks into COVID, he told me, go all in. And initially I didn't understand. Our CEO is also very forward thinker, forward looking. And I didn't understand. I was like, I don't know if this is the right time. You know, we're still not sure what's going on. He's like, go all in. Well, everybody's cutting budget. We can buy media at a really low cost, very cheap. So we were able to buy media at such a low price because there was hardly any competition bidding on it. And therefore, this placed us in front of people's eyes, which now we are leading the market in Canada. Just because we got so much brand recognition, so much awareness in front of people. And because we are an online company, our competitors' brick and mortar locations were closed. So he had nowhere to go but be online. So by him putting all his eggs and going all in on digital at that time, we were able to buy media cheap, which again has led us to continually grow. And now we practically on the market for the online business in this area, in the finance area. You got to so, go big when everyone else is scared. You got to yeah. place your bet, and the payoff is huge in this case. Yeah, as Warren Buffett always says, it has a quote. Be greedy when others are fearful, yes. and be fearful when others are greedy. That's it. That's it. Exactly. So our CEO went all in, and I'm telling you, that was the best decision that he has made. And unbelievable, unbelievable. Another example of what our competitors are not doing, which again, our CEO had done, is early on when I joined the company. We were thinking about digital uh, banners to buy, right? From a digital standpoint. And you know, you have the best recommended digital ads. So they tell you the, the best sizes, right? So I'm like, okay, let's get those. He's like, no, get everything. I'll get all the sizes done for us. Initially, again, initially I didn't understand. He's like, no, get all the sizes printed because while everybody's focusing on the best, nobody's bidding on the other sizes. So we can buy those other banner sizes at a really low cost because everybody's focusing on these. So by buying everything... I was going to say, I've actually had similar experiences with Facebook advertising, LinkedIn advertising, and Google advertising, which is the platforms will make all kinds of recommendations to you, but they're making recommendations on what's working for everybody. And I don't want to be in a pool of everybody. I want to be in a pool of just me. And so what I found is when LinkedIn ads, for example, recommends, hey, you should do this and target this audience and use this type of ad, I will intentionally put a whole bunch of stuff out there and let the algorithm find what's working best. And almost every single time, what's working best for me is not what works best for everybody. It's what's working differently than everybody else. So you, you can't just say, well, this is what 99 others do, so I'll do the same thing. You probably should go in a different direction. Different direction, think outside the box. And not only are the companies recommending what's working in your industry, sometimes, and I'm not going to say that they're doing this, but some companies may actually recommend what's best for them for their pocketbook. So you have to be weary, look at recommendations. Yes, use them, but also do your own thinking. Yeah. Find out what's working for you and test, constantly test. And if it doesn't work, kill it. But if it works, scale it up. This podcast is brought to you by Influicity. Since 2015, we've been building brand communities that drive revenue. First, we did it through influencers. Then we added podcasts. Today, we work with world-class brands to build, optimize, and run breakthrough programs that create and capture demand. It's time to stop renting your influence and start owning it. Learn more at Influicity.com. Give me your insights on AI writing. I think it's really good. We actually use Jasper, which is a great platform. 
We also have go directly on GPT-3. So we're using OpenAI on GPT-3. Both platforms, really good. Jasper, we've had for over a year. Absolutely amazing, easy to use. Honestly, highly recommend them. I don't have any interest in the company, um, but I just love the product. Highly recommend them. How that, are you using... So Jasper has been around... I, mean, I heard about it a few months ago. I don't know how it's different or the same from ChatGPT, but how are you guys using it? We're using it for many different things, but I'll give you an example to write content, right? Or to come up with new email headlines or update new content that we had. So if we wanted to refresh a page, we use it at times. Or when we had, when our writers hit a roadblock and they're not sure which angle to go, they'll use it, right? They'll use Jasper. There's a thing called content improver. So we'll use, as I said, old content or content that we currently write and we're not sure is this the best angle to give it? So Jasper rewrites it for us and improves the content. We will actually also use Jasper to help us with Google Ads headline and description. So even emails, you want to write emails, it will write emails for you. You just tell it. So for example, uh, you say, I want to write an email to our customers. This is the type of customer. This is the angle we want to approach it, right? And it will write the email for you. That being said, I recommend to my team to not rely on Jasper and any AI tool 100%. I've been saying that since day one. Here's the reason. I've been saying from the beginning, AI is great, but like any computer program, there's mathematical patterns there. There must be. So if Google finds that mathematical pattern, they will knock down those sites. And I'm sure it's going to come up with, I, I think within the next two, three updates, you're going to see an AI update. Where what's going on is they're going to knock websites that use AI for most of the content. So I've been telling my team, okay, if you're using Jasper or any AI tool, do not rely on it 100%. Manually edit it. Make sure all information is actually factual. Change your content so it's not 100% Jasper. Make sure you edit it so it sounds more neutral, sounds more human. You want to break up that AI pattern. That's one thing. Second, only use Jasper if you absolutely have to. If content flows to you from a human perspective, write it human. But if you're blocked and you have no choice, use Jasper. A lot of companies are just using AI to pump and dump what I call, like pump content and dump it on the web because they're trying to get those clicks to their website and rank high. I think it's a short-term vision. You don't want to do this. The idea... Google yeah. I was going to say, the, the idea that people would use Jasper or any of these writing tools in place of a writer or in place of an editor is actually kind of silly. And everybody who's yeah. saying, oh, well, the AI is going to take jobs away, yeah. I think it'll take the most junior, junior, junior yes. job away. But yes. that junior person is instead going to be do something much more useful, which is coaching the AI and fixing and tweaking and optimizing the AI through the editing process. So right. maybe you will get a headline or an article or a blog post out of the AI. And then the person's job who would have written the original post is now going to be tweaking it, as you said. So it's not a computer-generated mathematical yeah. product, but it's actually something a little more creative. Absolutely. And you have some guys saying, oh, I'm testing this, I'm testing this. Oh, I wrote, I don't know, a thousand pages right? In three months and look at my traffic. I think that's another thing Google is looking at to detect AI. Realistically, there's no website out there that can write a thousand pages in a month or three months, right? I think they're also looking at content velocity so not to detect AI. So now they're saying, okay, is it humanly possible to write 
let's not take a thousand, but let's take 300. Is it humanly possible to write 300 pages in one month? For most of the cases, it's not, right? And I think they're also going to look at content velocity as one of their, the things that to detect the AI. Because if you're just getting AI to write content and dump it for you, that you can easily do. But if you're just writing content as human, there's no way you can write 300. I mean, people would just burn out. So I think using AI to just write all the content for you, it's a short-term vision. Or well, what you want to do is you want to look this, you know, you want to do the marathon. You don't want to do the short-term sprint. One write other thing that, that I think people are going to find with an AI tool that they don't have today is that the AI tool is going to be really smart over time in understanding your brand voice. So one of yes. the things, I think it was Jasper that did this. It might've been one of the other apps, but it was like, you could say, write this in the style of Shakespeare yes. or write that in yes. the style of Charles Dickens. And so what can start to happen is your brand can actually be a voice that the AI learns. And so it's right. like, hey, here's 25, here's here's 100 things we've written, write something else in our voice. And then right. what's going to happen is the whole idea of having a brand Bible and have a unifying voice for your brand, which is a struggle as you're dealing with people, is no longer going to be a struggle for the AI. And then a person can come in and tweak it versus having to learn the voice from the ground up. Absolutely. Absolutely. And having Jasper, also, if you're getting Jasper for your team, and let's say you hire new writers, don't introduce Jasper off the bat. Do not, because that's going to cause people, as you said, to just use Jasper. If they're stuck and they're not sure where to go because they're not, then let's say you're in the insurance industry and they're not, they've never written for the insurance, their go-to will be going to um, Jasper to write it. They're not going to try to think and put themselves in the customer's shoes. They're just going to, oh, let me use AI. And they're never going to learn your brand. They're never going to use the messaging. And what you want the writer to do is really learn your customer persona, learn who the customer voice, what is their pain point, what are they looking to solve, all these things. Once you do this, then introduce AI. But if you're going to introduce AI to the to the person you hired right away, it's a huge, huge mistake. And then even once you introduce it, make sure they know it's to be used, but not 100%, only when absolutely necessary. That's my recommendation. Love it. Gerard, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to Modern Marketing. This podcast is brought to you by Influicity, empowering marketers to build customer communities that drive revenue. We create massive demand via social, influencer, content, paid media, and of course, podcast. Learn more at Influicity.com.